today we are continuing our series, Soundtrack, What Does Your Life Sound Like? And so, really, the sort of the focus for this, for the last couple of months as we go through the series, is we believe that every believer's life ought to play a certain kind of music or give off a certain kind of sound so that when people around us see us, that they will know to whom we belong, that, that we serve God, that we live for God. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look in verses 19 through 24 in just a few moments. And we're going to be t- taking a look at one of the songs that ought to be on the soundtrack of every believer. Now, uh, I think this is only going to probably be understood by a, a, a group of people of a certain age. Uh, whenever I was in high school, probably junior high, high school, uh, you'd listen to the radio. You know, we didn't have Spotify or stuff like that. So we'd listen to the radio, and you'd hear some songs that you liked, but then you'd have to go through like five or six that you didn't like until you heard another one that you did. And uh, so I lived in the days of cassette tapes. Now, I have a sister who's older. She was the phonograph, but I had cassettes. And so I had this, like, this little boom box uh, and had uh, dual recording, you know, dual cassette tapes uh, or whatever you call it, cassette holders that you'd have in there. And you could make mixtapes. Now, do you all remember doing that? Those of y'all, you, you know, your favorite songs, you play them, play them uh, get, get your good mix on there. And so, you know, some of the, on my mixtapes, you know, there's some of the bands that I would have on there that I enjoyed listening to. Um, I, you know, I would listen to like, like Journey, you'd have like Van Halen on there, um, NXS was one of the groups that I really enjoyed, um, yeah, just a bunch of others, so Huey Lewis and the News, you know, I know that there's some people in here that, you know, they probably like the Carpenters, stuff like that, but I, that was not me, okay, so I had, I had my little mixtape, and then I'd get my car, and then I'd put it in there, so every song that would play was a song I liked, you know, something that I really enjoyed. Okay, now here, here's the idea. I, I believe that as believers that we ought to have a mixtape for our lives. You know, that the kind of songs that we are playing, that whenever people hear the music that's coming out of our lives, they ought to look at us and see us and say, hey, I like that. Now that, that sounds really good. And so that's why our focus today is on soundtrack. What kind of music is your life making? And I believe one of the songs that ought to be coming out of the life of every believer is what we treasure, the things that we find important so that when the world looks at us, our neighbors and our friends look at us, that whenever they look to see what it is that we treasure in life, that they will look at that and say, now that is something that's impressive. Now, I don't think it takes a whole lot to figure out what it is that people sort of cherish and find important in their lives. You, you can look at people and tell what they go after. You know, I know some people that really, you know, they, they cherish having stuff in their lives. They like material things. And so if that's true, you look into their lives and you see they're always getting either the newest or the latest fad that's come out. Uh, there are other people, and you look into their lives, and you can tell what it is that they, what they value. I mean, they, they value having money, and so they, they will go out and do whatever they can in order to make more of it or to hang on to as much of it as possible. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. 
but the point that we're going to be looking at today is that Jesus wants us to examine what it is that we treasure, how long it's going to last, and how we use that treasure. Because I think a lot of times the things that we treasure in life that we find really valuable, in the long run, they're really not, they're really not anything worth treasuring. And so Jesus is going to point out a few things, and I think some questions that can help us ascertain what it is that we value and treasure in life. And so we're just going to take a look at a few questions that he has for us in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. But as we talk about treasure, I really think it's just sort of in our nature, we want to have more. We like to have more stuff. We like to have more things. And yet... Even though we get more things, very few people are actually satisfied. You know, now how, much, how much treasure do you have to have before you're actually going to be satisfied and find joy? I, I think this is interesting. I saw some statistics, and it said people living in North America, Europe, and high-income Asian countries hold 90% of the world's wealth. Now, you might say, well, I, I don't know where I fall on that, on that scale there. Well, I'm, I'm going to help you out a little bit. If you have assets of over $61,000, you are in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the world. If you have assets that are right at $500,000, you are in the top, top 1% of the richest people in the world. I said, well, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to take a stab at it. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm right, but I would guess this. I would say that, that in this room, that over 90%, and I would say probably closer to like 99.9% of people in this room are wealthy. You have a lot of treasure. Now, when you compare it to the rest of the world, y'all, we are the wealthiest people in the world. So, what does that mean? Well, it means that we need to examine what our treasures are. What kind of value we place on them. Because we have so much wealth, and yet very few people are satisfied. And I believe the reason why is because the things of this world, they're temporary. You know, they don't, they don't last long. I mean, at best, your, your treasure is going to last as long as you do. Now, now what's, I mean, what's the average lifespan? You know, it's like, let's say 75, 80. Now, if you're, if you're near that, I'm not trying to depress you because I know that you, because you're here today, you're going to live a lot longer than that. But, but ultimately, it's just life has a beginning and it has an end. So I want us to think about and ask some questions about what it is that we treasure. And so here's a couple of questions we need to ask. The first question is this. Okay, we all have treasure. So the question is, where are you storing your treasure? You know, where do you store your treasure? Now, I want you to look with me in verse number 19. It says, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Now, in Jesus' day, there were three basic places that helped identify or sources of income that helped identify you as a wealthy person. 
And you see that in the text that we have. People were considered wealthy if they had if they had clothing. They had a lot of clothing. They were considered wealthy if they had a lot of food. And they were considered wealthy if they had gold. So because of that, if that is what made a person wealthy, what, what people would strive for in life is to have those three things. Because if you have those three things, then you're going to be secure. You know, If you have those three things, then you're going to be able to take care of yourself. Now, if you have those things, there is nothing wrong with having any of those things. Jesus did not condemn rich people. He did not condemn people who had treasure. But what Jesus did, he said, he said I want you to take a look and see where you are collecting your treasure. And there's only two places where you can collect your treasure. You can collect treasure here on earth, or you can collect your treasure in heaven. Now, the word collect that Jesus used in our text, it means to store up and to stockpile. So where is it that you are stockpiling or storing up the treasures that you have? Jesus said, don't store up, don't put all of your hope and your dreams in the treasures of this world. And the reason why is because this world's temporary. This world doesn't last forever. So don't, don't store up your treasures, all of your treasures in this place, because if you have all your treasure here, your treasure here, y'all, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable, it's vulnerable to time, it doesn't last forever. Jesus mentioned a few things that happen. He says, your treasure will be vulnerable to moths, moths, rust, and thieves. Now remember, people, their wealth, they considered you to be wealthy if you had food, money, and clothes. And Jesus says, all of those things are vulnerable to the things of this world. So Jesus is saying, if that's where you're placing all your hope and all your dreams, if it's here, you're going you're gonna to end up being disappointed. Because it's vulnerable. Listen, listen to what 1 John 2, 16 and 17 says. It says, For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's lifestyle, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world with its lust is, the Bible says, it is passing away. But the one who does God's will remains forever. So if your wealth is all here, say this world's passing away. Your, your wealth is vulnerable. I mean, look at what Jesus says. He says, if you, what makes you wealthy is clothes. Jesus said there are moths that can come in, and they can, they can eat your clothing. You all ever seen that happen before, where you have these holes in your clothes? Uh, so, therefore, you put out you know, mothballs. You know, whenever I have that, I smell mothballs. I immediately think of my grandmother. That was my grandmother's house. Walk in and say, oh, the lovely smell of mothballs. She was trying to protect her wealth. And so, what, what else happens? Well, it says that moss can destroy your wealth. It says rust can destroy your wealth. Now, that word rust, it means to eat. It's not talking about the rust that you get on your car. It's speaking of you having food is what makes you wealthy. Back in these days, if you had food, it made you wealthy. If you had like a grain silo, varmints can get into your grain silo, and they would begin to eat away at your wealth. If you place your hope in your money, your money's vulnerable because it can be stolen. You know, that still happens today. Identity theft is a huge problem today. But here's the idea, and that is that if you're going to store up your wealth anywhere, you want to store it in a place where it's safe, where it's not vulnerable, where it's actually going to appreciate in value. But my fear is that way too many of us are bankrupt right now because we place all of our hopes and all of our dreams 
here. And then what happens is we end up being dissatisfied because all of those things are vulnerable. It's real easy to get caught up in this world thinking, if I just get this, then it's a sure bet I won't be happy. Now, I read a story about the, uh, the New York Times. Back in 1993, this is back whenever the New York Times and newspapers, they, they were just huge media outlets, and the New York Times wanted to expand its influence and power, and so they decided they wanted to buy the Boston Globe newspaper. So they went out and they, they purchased the Boston Globe for $1.1 billion. It's an astounding price back in 1993. But the New York Times was so big, they knew that when they bought it, that they would be able to spend that kind of money and turn a profit. They said, this is a sure bet. But within a couple of years, something happened that they did not know would happen. The Internet exploded. And whenever that happened, it meant that people could get their news at the, at the very tips of their fingers. And so you know what happened? People quit buying newspapers. And so people would just simply go online. That $1.1 billion purchase that was a sure bet, it became an albatross around the neck of the New York Times. So they tried to unload it. Well, there weren't a whole lot of people willing to fork out $1.1 billion. They ended up selling the Boston Globe at a 93% loss in one of the worst business deals ever made that absolutely devastated the New York Times. Now, guys, let me tell you something. When you put all of your investment and all of your hope in a sure bet in this world, that's the kind of stuff that happens. Because the stuff of this world is temporary. The stuff of this world, it does not last forever. It is always susceptible to crashing and burning. That's why Jesus said, he said, store up your treasures in heaven. Why, why, why in heaven? Why do we want to invest in the things of God? They last forever. You know, Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flowers fade. The things of this world, they, they fade. But the word of our God stands forever. That's why we want to come in here and we want to look at what God's word says because it is instruction and direction for, for your life and my life that is good for all time. It teaches us about a God who loves us and a God who gives his life for us that whenever we entrust ourselves to him, he will redeem us and provide us life forever in heaven. That's why I want to teach, why we wanted to teach our children about Jesus because no matter how vulnerable we are and all the mistakes that we make, if we point our children to Jesus and they trust him, we know they have a place reserved for them forever in heaven and it can never be taken away from them. So what do you value? What do you treasure? You need to ask some questions. The very first question is, where do I store my treasure? Heaven or earth? And another question to ask about your treasure is this. Well, then what's my vision for how my treasure works? What's my vision for how, how my treasure works? Now look with me in verse number, uh, verse number 22. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now there is a purpose to having treasure. You know what that purpose is? It's to use it. If you have treasure, 
you have it in order to spend it. Now, I know there are probably some of you who are saying, thank the Lord the pastors finally said, I need to go get that bass boat. Um, and now, that's, that's not exactly what I'm saying. So then, so then what's being said here? Well, the, the, the question is this. How are you using your treasure? You know, you've been given treasure. We all have treasure. But we've been given that treasure in order to use it for a purpose. Now, I want us to look, look at these verses. Now, now, what we see Jesus doing here is Jesus is using an idiom. And, and an idiom is, it's, you know, basically it is a, a saying that has very little to do with like the point you're trying to get across. And I may, let me try to give you an example. Okay, here's an idiom. It is raining cats and dogs. Now, cats and dogs, they, they don't have anything to do with meteorology. Uh, but, but what does that mean? It's raining cats and dogs. It, it, it means it's raining really hard. It's raining heavy. He has a chip on his shoulder. It does not literally mean that he has a chip on his shoulder. What, what does that mean? Do you have a chip on your shoulder? A, a bad attitude, right? Okay, so that is an idiom. That, so Jesus was using an idiom here. And if you look again in verse number 22, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. That's an idiom. Now, now what in the world does that mean? Well, it means that what you see, in other words, where your focus is in life, what you desire, it greatly determines what your treasure is and how you're going to use it. So think about that for a second. What do you focus in on in life? You know, what do you see with your eyes where you say, I am going after that? Is it where you look around in the world and you say, you know what, our, our, world, our world needs help. There are people around us that, that we care about and that we love. They do not know Jesus. And so we want to do whatever we can in order to share the good news with them, in order to serve them, to give them a picture of who Jesus is and how we live. Or is your vision so focused in on, on the world that whenever you look at it, you say, I want that. I've got to have that. If that becomes mine, then it will bring satisfaction into my life. Now, now if your eye is good and generous, then your body is full of light, and you're going to be able to see beyond yourself and see everybody else. But if your eye is filled with darkness, if it's only inward focused, then then it's going to be really hard for you to see beyond yourself. And, And that creates a very distorted view of the world. If your eyes aren't clear, you make mistakes, you make bad decisions, you make choices that are not good until your vision is corrected. Now let me, let me try to give you an example of this. And I told the first service, I, I don't know if this really goes here or not, that if it fits in, but it's a good story and I liked it. Um, I, I love history and I, I like to watch the History Channel. And they had an episode on about the Vikings, now, not the football team, but, you know, the historical Vikings. Now, whenever you think of Vikings, I don't, whenever I think of Vikings, I think of guys that are, have huge beards, you know, and they have, uh, the, they, they have their hair in braids. They are wearing one of those, you know, little metal helmets that have horns that come out of them, right? Is that what y'all think of? And, and they're swinging a sword, and they're vicious, and they get on ships, and they travel the world and just destroy people. Okay, so that's, that's what I think of with Vikings. Now, what's interesting is that is not how the Vikings thought of themselves. Thought of themselves, Vikings thought of themselves. This is going to be a shocker. As ranchers and farmers, they're weird. I was like, well, they were absolutely wrong, but that's how they thought of themselves. Now, they believed that their their status, where their wealth was, what made them important, was cattle. 
you know, and, and the way that that played out for them is if you were wealthy, if you were a person who ate meat. Okay, I'm kind of agreeing with that. Okay, so that sounds good. So there are people who ate meat. One thing they did not like and they, they despised, and this was interesting to me, was fish. Vikings did not like fish. They would not eat it because it did not show them as being prosperous. So they just avoided it at all costs, and they would only eat meat. Okay, so I say that you might be thinking, now, what does this have to do with anything? Probably nothing, but I'm trying to make a point here. So a thousand years ago, the Vikings left the area of like around Norway, and they sailed to a new land called Greenland. Now, Greenland is not known for cattle. Y'all might not have known that. And so they got there. Now, their status symbol was cows eating meat. So they had to go back. They brought cattle over, and they began to graze the land in Greenland, which is not known for being a great place to graze. And so they brought their cattle over there. Now, one thing Greenland does have is they have a lot of fish. It's a great fishing area. They didn't care. They didn't care because their wealth, their value was in cattle. Now, after a few generations, those cattle, they, they couldn't survive. They, they'd eaten all the, all the stuff that could be grazed there, and they began to die off. The Vikings were so stubborn, they refused to ever start fishing. They said, we're going to continue to eat meat. Eventually, it got so bad that they began to eat their own dogs. I know that's not good, but y'all, that's how stubborn they were. And eventually, they end up starving themselves off of the island. What they valued and treasured led to death. What God naturally gave to value and treasure, which is fish, would have led to life, but they starved themselves off of the island. Guys, let me tell you something. Christians have, uh, God has given Christians great treasures. He's provided us with forgiveness. He's provided us with hope. He has provided us with the power to take a person who is broken and he will mend them together and change their life forever. And yet too many times, because we're stubborn, we will ignore the treasures of God to go after what we want, and we find that we're not satisfied. You know, King David wrote in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, quite a number of people aren't able to see very clearly because they don't have any clue as to what God's Word has to say. They don't know. I mean, I mean, think about it like this. If I, if I told you to go to my home where I grew up, you're going to have a hard time getting there unless you have directions. Well, the same thing is true in a relationship with God. You're going to have a hard time finding where true value is in your treasure if you don't know what God's Word has to say. And because of that, there's many of us who feel empty because we don't know what God has to say because we're so focused in on ourselves. So as we think about treasures, a few questions. One, where do you store your treasures? Is it here or is it heaven? Now, another question is, what, what kind of a vision do you have for how your treasure is going to work? Is it going to work just for you, or are you looking for your treasure to honor God and to point people to God? And this is the last question. Who's the master of your treasure? Who's in charge of it? Now, look with me in verse number. It's the last verse we're going to read, verse number 24. It says, no one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot be slaves of God and of money. So, so here's the question. Who is the master of your treasure? Now, obvious answer you would think would be with me. 
and it's my treasure. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God owns everything. The entire world is God's. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Okay, so then according to that verse, how much does God own? I'm going to help you all. All of it. Okay, so if he owns all of it, then, then what's yours? Well, none of it. So then what's our job? It's to be a steward, to take care of what God has given. It's his, so we're just trying to take care of it. That goes back to Genesis 2.15. It says, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. This thought is solidified if you look in verse number 24 where Jesus lets us know who we are. If you look in verse number 24, Jesus says that we are slaves. Now now think about that. A slave is owned. A slave does not live for his own purposes, doesn't live for his own pleasure. He lives for the pleasure of his master. Am I right? So then if that is true, then you have to ask yourself the question, who's my master? There's only two choices. It's God or it's the world, which is controlled by the devil. And who's your master? You might say, well, I'm, I'm my own master. No, but let me tell you something. No, you're not. When you stand before the Lord, the Lord's going to look at what you value, what you treasure, where your heart is. And there's only two choices. Your master is either God or it is the things of this world. You know, the, you, and you can't do both. And I know some people say, well, I, I love God, but I'm also, I'm, I'm living for me too. Now, I'm living for the stuff of this world. That, now, we say that, that makes sense to us until you begin to apply that to other things. Y'all, if you were a slave, you, you're, you only have one master. I mean, is there any way, there was a football game yesterday, and y'all might have watched some of it. And uh, it, was, it was Carolina Clemson. Now, can somebody... Watch that game. If you're from South Carolina in particular, or you went to one of those schools, can you watch that game and say, you know what, I was rooting for both teams? Is that possible? Now, if somebody says that, they're a liar, or they're, they're a Carolina fan just trying to get some kind of a win out of that thing. Okay, so you know, that's impossible. Now, can, can, a, let's say, can, a, can a husband say, I love my wife and my girlfriend? I mean, is that possible? Not, not if he wants to live. I mean, there is no way. I mean, it doesn't happen. You love one or you love the other, but you can't love both. You know, Jesus and the world, Jesus and the devil, they have, they have competing, conflicting ideas. Jesus is the light of the world. Satan is the prince of darkness. does not want you to have life. He wants you to have death. So, so who's your master? Now, here's the interesting thing. Did you know you get to choose? You will determine who the master is of your life. Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, Y'all understand this. We make a decision. I'm going to serve God or I'm going to serve the world. Now, and it's not hard to figure out what decision we make. It it can be fairly easy to see. You know, there's an old story about a farmer, and he had a prized cow that had uh, had a couple of calves, and he's real excited about it. He ran and told his wife, said, honey, our 
our cow, she just had a, she had a, a red calf and a white calf. And he said, I'm going to give one of them to the Lord. He said, I'm going I'm to sell it and give the money to the Lord. And his wife said, well, which one is it going to be? He said, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to raise them the same. And then not long afterwards, he came in. He said, honey, I hate to tell you. He said, but the Lord's calf died. Now, now, when you're a slave to the world, I can promise you this. Whenever it's time for the rubber to hit the road, the Lord's calf is always going to die. And, and that's how you can know who your master is. You know, when financial troubles come, and the things of God, the work of God, your service to God, whenever that suffers, you say, well, that, that's a person who has chosen the world to be his master. Whenever serving God and being obedient to God's word becomes obedient, uh, become, uh, excuse me, becomes, uh, becomes inconvenient to what you want to do, Say, so this is what God wants me to do, but this is really what I want to do. And you say, you know what, I'm going to ignore what God says, and I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. Then it's obvious who your master is in your life. Now, now let me tell you this. From my own personal experience, I have never given to God, and I have never served God and regretted it. Never have. Now, I'm not saying it's always been convenient, but when I've done it, I have never regretted it. But I can tell you when I've disobeyed God and I live for me, whenever I've done things that were convenient at the expense of what God says, whenever I've done things that I shouldn't have done because I wanted to be like one of the guys, I have always regretted that. You will get more bang for your buck when you allow your treasure to be mastered by the Lord. And that's because you are making an investment that will last forever. So then here's the question. Who's your master? What do you treasure in life? And why do you treasure it? And then how do you use it? Is it for you? Or is it for the things of God? Now, maybe for some of you, it's time for you, it's time for you to make a decision today. And so here's how we're going to close the service. And it'll be brief, but it's, it's, it's a, a very important thing to do. And I'd just like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And it could be there's some of you today. So you know what? I need to choose. And today I'm going to choose Jesus. And that's you. Then you can just simply talk to the Lord in prayer. And you can just simply say, Jesus, today I, I choose you. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Forgive me of my sin. And I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe you lived, you died, and you rose from the grave. And I believe you have the power of eternal life, and I will follow you. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'll just encourage you, you you can take your bulletin out, open it up. There's a contact form there. You fill it out, put your name on it, check a line. says you commit your life to Christ, tear it out. When you leave, we'll have ushers holding baskets, and you can drop that in the basket. We can get you some information in the mail about how to grow in a walk with Jesus. Now, I believe there are others of you who are followers of Jesus, but for a while, maybe you've been trying to play it both ways. Let me tell you something, you can't do it. Could be you need to just simply confess that to God. And ask Him to forgive you. 
renew your commitment to him. You know, one, one, one thing that you can do, proactive thing that you can do is when you walk out the store, we have a C4 section set up outside. The little brochure says C4. It's how we serve in our church. You can pick up one of those brochures and say, Lord, just as a commitment to you, I'm going to start putting into practice my service to you through Village Church. And I'll just close with this. What, what does your life sound like? A lot of people can tell what you treasure what's important to you by just looking to see where you spend your time a lot of people can tell what you treasure by how you spend your life what do you treasure Heavenly Father I thank you for your word I thank you Jesus that that you have given us so much Jesus I pray that we will be a people that will spend our treasure on the things of God. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.